You have landed on The Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Trevor Aiken, joined by my buddies, my very, very tired co-hosts, <laughs> Philip Marinello. Hey, everybody. And wow. Vincent Edwards. What's going on? Yeah, how tired I sounded when I said, hey. Like, I, was, hey. I was trying to do it with my snappy. That, I was not trying to throw a little <laughs> tired on there. That was all natural. It's just all natural. <laughs> um, I think we've launched the episode talking about how tired we are for a bit. That's fine. That happens. <laughs> yeah. There's actually yeah, no, a couple podcasts I listen to that kind of do that too. I wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> just in that seasonal life right now. Yep. Then we can turn on NPR mode. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. I just want to say, like, it's nice kind of hitting the stride. Like, we haven't missed a week. We've been we we've been recording a lot here. Like, it's felt like a legit show for quite a while, but now it's like we're in like over 70 episodes, maybe even 80, depending on when this drops. Like we're, we're doing the thing real well. We got our website up now. Thanks to you guys. The real website. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's like a real podcast. And any, uh, any day now we will be learning whether or not we were, uh, in fact, Kansas city's best local podcast. Ooh, That'll oh, come yes. out soon. We'll see. Thank you to everyone who voted on that. Appreciate and, you guys. Uh, Leave some comments on the website. I'll probably be doing a um, like a contest or a giveaway. I got stacks of books that publishers send us. Maybe do some kind of book giveaway promotion to kind of get some traction on that website there. But Vince and Anna, my wife, did some excellent work. Go check that out um, if you haven't. I'm sure the link is in the show notes. Substance.com. Substancepod.com. <laughs> That's how tired we are. You made the website. I made the website and I forgot. <laughs> I didn't even say the domain right. The podcast is called The Substance. The podcast.com. The podcast. <laughs> I am the substance. Oh my goodness. This is going to be a fun episode. So. Uh. Bros, I've I brought you to talk about this thing. So like I didn't even really tell you a hundred percent where this came from. I was listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. As you do, as just about the last half dozen of our guests have shouted out. Yep. I know. It's such a good show. It they is. were talking though this week they did this bonus episode where they were talking about this like pre Acts twenty nine church planning network mm-hmm. um called the Spanish River Network or something like that. Um, started by this church pastor in Florida. And that's all an interesting story, and listeners can go check out their episode to hear that. But what was interesting was they were talking about this pastor who, he graduated seminary and got divorced by his wife. Like, they got a divorce on the same day. His wife, like, left him, went to live with his boyfriend. They don't obviously get in it, and there's always two sides to every story, especially in the divorce, but... The bottom line was, this was in the 60s, the man got his MDiv and his divorce papers, like, basically in the same time frame. That's brutal. And it is brutal. Like, it's brutal, obviously, on a lot of interpersonal levels. Um, But one of the other ways that that it becomes brutal, especially in, in that time, is he can't find work. You know, there's no church that's trying to take uh-huh. him on as a pastor. As a divorce guy. Sure. Especially as a new pastor and a divorce guy. And that just got me thinking about that because outside this dude, I mean, 
his life spoke for itself. You know, he went on and lived a very faithful life, making disciples and being kind of an unsung hero of a lot of different things. And they tell his story on the podcast, but it just got me thinking about this, this kind of standard, because I remember growing up in the church and, you know, you have first Timothy three and, and that gets taught a lot in our circles when it comes to, you know, you need to know the kinds of men that you want leading your church. You want to know those qualities. You want to find a church with people of those qualities and like, yes and amen to all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. In first Timothy three in verse two, it talks about the, the overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, etc. It goes on, but in there is this this phrase, the husband of one wife, and along the way, what what I had been taught growing up and the thing that I had heard a lot was if somebody was divorced, that kind of disqualified them because they weren't they weren't the the one woman man, you know, was the phrase. Hmm. Now I'm curious about that. Because we grew up in the same church and that was not kind of what I took away. Was it more that they couldn't be it because he wasn't above reproach? It could have been kind of a bit of a, uh, I don't know if like an unstated thing, but I don't recall if we ever had any divorced men in Mm -mm. like higher up spiritual leadership, but I feel like our pastor hit the one woman man thing hard and not... I I just don't remember it because I I remember going to college at a pretty fundamentalist university where there were people my age and like older people than myself saying divorced people can't be in spiritual leadership. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. So that's not what I actively took away. Well, I grew up in a, a very egalitarian church and they were not wives of one husband, like either most of the pastor or the pastor there was very much older and they had been divorced or not married, uh, depending on who you're talking about. And they were, you know, women in leadership, women leading this church. So I I really don't have, or I really didn't have much of a a point of conversation to even like wrestle through that um, because the, the church structure was like completely different. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise, like, I'll say this. I'm not trying to take a, a contrary position to you, Trevor, necessarily. No, that's fine. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the elders at the church we grew up at were like, hey, like, if somebody was mentioned, like, brought up in an elder meeting, like, hey, XYZ person, like, what do you think about them for ministry? Like, there'd be some people who I think would bristle, like, oh, he's been divorced, but like, maybe I'm just always hope, like, <laughs> thinking positive about everything. Like I I wouldn't necessarily think they would be rejected out of hand, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be the case. I feel like that divorced guy at like at a, at our church. Not in leadership though. Like, and, and an elder elder. level. And the other thing too, cause I know our mentor growing up, Philip, we had discussions about this. He's a single guy. I'm remembering a couple of things. Yeah, he was. Um, One, it may have been that, like for for that elder like if if there was somebody who had had a divorce previously on the elder board i would be surprised if it wasn't like before they were saved sure that makes sense that rings true because mm-hmm. and listeners too tell us what your experience was like what did you hear in your church because i know like 
Vince had an experience where this was just like not even a thing. But I think there's different levels of this. I'm sure cultures may vary widely yeah. on this one. Because I think for sure there's a lot of churches where it's like, if if dude was divorced, it doesn't even matter if he was divorced before he was saved. He can't be an elder. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing where it's like Apostle Paul murdered Christians. Yeah. Wrote the New Testament. That's cool. A guy before they were saved committed sin and then like that one particular thing you can't be a pastor you can't be a you can't be a spiritual leader in our assembly yeah it's like what so is the concept behind this because <laughs> if a person is divorced so so div- divorce as i understood it growing up was if you get divorced and that person is not dead then you are in the eyes of god technically you are still married until that person has either died or or it was on like a justifiable like a biblically justifiable reason for divorce and then in those situations you are clean to go ahead and get another husband or wife but if that person remains alive then you are technically still married so you're divorced but you can't be of one wife because your wife technically is still alive yes, that's kind what, of where i bring landed. in yeah matthew 19 right yeah, that's kind of where i landed with my convictions for a while because i mean we didn't necessarily we were not taught and i didn't think that like god still sees you as married like if you're divorced you're divorced but that um the thing is like okay you made that commitment if you break it you can't go make a new one uh, you can mm-hmm. either reconcile or stay single, celibate, whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of what I so divorce latched no re- on to. D- divorce maybe, but no remarriage. That's where I was for a long time. I feel like. Yeah. So is that the is that the kind of principle that's being taken into those who have to decide who is a leader or an overseer? If a person's gotten divorced, it's like, well, you can't fulfill this one part of those qualifications, so you're not qualified. How I remember it being talked about wasn't that way. Like, it wasn't necessarily whether or not the divorce was biblical or unbiblical, because at some level, they would say, like, well, God's plan is never divorce. Sure. Even if they believed that divorce was justified, that's still not the ideal thing. Mm-hmm. And then they would they would go to um I, I think that honestly and and there might be even some legitimacy to this above reproach, like okay, you have this that. person out there that has like beef with you, obviously, because they divorced <laughs> you. Sure. And I remember more than once hearing this, like if we had this divorced person, you know, leading the church, somebody can bring a reproach, somebody can bring you know, some kind of condemnation, Which you know, verse seven, an... he must be thought well of <laughs> by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace. Well, he might fall into disgrace because maybe there's something that we don't know. Hmm. That's such a wild position to try to be consistent with. Cause we're going to be like, have you ever had a, a workplace argument? Have you ever had a family <laughs> strife? If somebody has something against you, then you can't be a spiritual leader. Like that's just, and I don't imagine people think through it mm. holistically, but it's just a wild, that's a wild justification for that position. Well, you can have a pastor 
who like the first ep- the very first episode of uh jesse eubanks's podcast love that neighborhood is a guy you know stands up in front of a congregation and talks about racial reconciliation mm-hmm. well to that definition now he's got a lot of people in his congregation who have something against him (laughs) yeah they have a lot against him for for preaching that yeah and so the standard i guess is like where do you hold that line because i'm not saying we just muddy the line up and don't regard it at all but it's asking how do we maintain that standard properly so like just to play devil's advocate then for you guys um, trevor's being the devil's advocate this time that's right so Here's what people would say. Sure, okay, like, that's cool. But the racial reconciliation thing is very different, right? This is somebody trying to preach from Ephesians and apply God's word. But you've got this divorced guy trying to do premarital counseling and lead families who are wanting to stay in their covenant, who are, who are trying to do this, and, and he's got a failed marriage. So, like, you're going to lead a church in marital faithfulness and, and marital covenant in how to have this relationship in a way that honors God, but yet your marriage has failed. You're recently married, Vince. Would you have gotten premarital counseling and like trusted the advice of a dude who'd been divorced that year? <laughs> um, I don't know. Personally, for me, I'd have to know that person. I'd have to know that person's character. And I honestly would like to know, like, was what happened? Because to say that because someone did something and wasn't successful doesn't mean they don't know anything or that they're untrustworthy. But for you to Um, really know that, you would have to have both sides. Yeah. Sure. You know, you're hearing this guy in leadership say X, Y, Z about his life, but you don't know. There's two sides to every story, right? So, like, uh, that's true. Yeah, but what I mean, I guess I'm thinking in this situation, I could, I would have access or some means in which to collect the full story from both sides. Mm. So that way I can get around it because, and the reason I could give to say, hey, I would like to know because I'm about to make this decision to entrust myself and my bride or my bride to be to the advice and counsel of this guy. And you left him or he left you, whatever. Can I please have a better understanding of what went on before I make this decision? So isn't the very need for that a reproach, though? Kind of, yes. Mm, I mean, I I don't think any of us would seek out merit. There's definitely, like, negative advice to don't do what I did advice, which is valid. And, like, I think should be sought out to a degree. But if people are approaching merit, they're Mm -hmm. probably not going to at first, seek out the advice of somebody, especially who had been recently divorced. If, like, you are known as the divorced person, there is, uh, yeah, that that hurts. That's that's hard. Well, actually, I was just thinking we've uh, we've had a, a, a previous guest on the show who is divorced and a pastor, and I'm sure deals with those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this isn't a, me playing devil's advocate here. I know this is a painful subject for a lot of people. It's certainly not to throw shade on anybody. It really came from me thinking about just these situations where people end up like this and then yeah it's like what do you do like what what does the church do and i feel like a lot of times it is kind of this some of these arguments that i'm bringing that would be so hard like to get your mdiv your divorce papers and then be like well 
the last, whatever, three, four, five years of my life, whatever your program was, I got my degree that I'm on a track to be launched to, this is my heart, this is my, my calling, this is my ministry. And then it's like a church just out of hand is like, well, you can't do this. Yeah. And one, are they right? Yeah, that's the question I was thinking about. Emotion isn't the only thing that's important, right? Yeah. If God's word is God's word, like it, it can be hard. Like there are hard things in the Bible. So is, is that a right thing? I think this is where it gets tough too. Cause like, there's a lot of assumptions you can make in there and mm. hurtful things that you could say, like, like for example, you could say, well, you know, yeah, oh, this is awful. I almost hate even devils advocating this, but like, I've heard people say stuff like this. Um, you know, people start speculating about maybe why this happened, right? Even just sight unseen. Oof. But you, you apply, <laughs> just just getting ready for whatever you're gonna say. Yeah, you apply stereotypes like, oh, you know what? Like maybe he focused too much on seminary and not enough on his marriage, and like that's why. And like this is a sign that you know he doesn't have his priorities in order. And like the Bible says, if someone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So sure, dang. So you know, like maybe. Dang. Maybe that's why, you know, that's, I mean, the thing is, is I don't think you can blanketly dismiss that, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think assumption is probably the best grounds to make that judgment though, because you don't know that. So let's get back to first Timothy three for a second. Yeah. First Timothy 3, 4 says, and this is maybe a little sillier, but just to kind of stress test kind of the way somebody might approach this text. So First Timothy 3, 4 says, he, being if someone aspires to the office of overseer, he must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Mm-hmm. Would people then say, and again, it might sound silly, I'm not trying to be silly, would people say that like, if you don't have children, you can't be an elder because it says children. Like, you just got to think about it. Mm. Yeah. You need to think holistically, think critically. I would really hope, maybe there's, you know what, after the last four or five years, uh, not a whole lot would surprise me. But I don't imagine <laughs> that a church would say, like, I've heard churches go, divorce people, no. And I, I yeah. don't think that's biblical. I don't think that honors God. I think I see where they're coming, but I, I don't think people would say, well, if they are childless, then no, like at the same breath. So it's like, okay, like, how are we taking God's word? And I'm not trying to uh, take away power from the word. I'm trying to encourage us to be like active and thoughtful in how we use it. Yeah. No, I hear that. And it's interesting you bring up that that verse because, I mean, when people take that verse and then also take in Titus 1. Sure. We talked about that a lot in seminary. Yeah, there becomes a lot of area there as well because— Do they have to have it, believing children? If, if a child exactly. of an elder rebels, are they then disqualified on the behavior of their children? Like some churches yeah. literally say you're disqualified if right. not all of your kids— claim Christ. Or so if like, your kid wilds out and goes and does something foolish, then like you're out. So like the ESV and the translation here actually like gives some translational force because it says Can keeping the, his uh, reference again, or are we still in first Timothy? This first Timothy three, four says keeping his children submissive, but the Greek isn't so active. The ESV has rendered it in such a way that keeping his children submissive is an action of the man. So it's focusing in the English, it's focusing on the actions of the man. 
who is aspiring mm-hmm. to the office of the overseer. And they made that decision because they're saying, well, it makes sense that if we're examining this person for an elder, we're examining his character and actions. But the Greek is more ambiguous. It just is having, having children like this. And so what people will do is they'll take that and then they'll take Titus where it's like, is it children are believers or children are faithful? You know, people yeah. always go back and forth on the Greek there. And so then people in theory could come to this and be like, well, no, it actually is about the character of the children because he needs to be able to form this character in his children. And so it, whether they, it, so it's really on whether they have this character or not. Like, a lot of times hmm. in some of the circles that really uh, highly esteem the word, somehow that doesn't butt up against parents can't save their children. <laughs> like, and only God changes hearts. Like God is the one who yeah. calls not fathers. <laughs> like yeah. in homes. Yeah. I, I guess that what they would say is that you could still, but you still like form character in your kids. And if, sure. and if for whatever reason you can't, that's cool. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad Christian, but you just can't be an elder. If you can't form character enough to save your kid, then you're not good enough to be an elder. Yeah. For okay, for some of them that would say saved. But even so here's here's where I'm going with this though. Even those who maybe wouldn't like who would just say, you know, it is on the character of the kids. They need to be faithful and submissive and obedient kids. Like they have to have good character. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be saved because only the Holy Spirit can do that, but they do have to have good character. Then you're still evaluating this man on something that is outside himself outside his own character. It's what you could say is maybe... his control to a degree. Yeah, maybe somewhat the fruit of his actions in, you know, somewhat, not not 100%, right? Just like the children's character, they're obviously responsible for their own character at some level, but he's also responsible for forming them. So in that same degree, if people think that in verse 4, it's really not a stretch to think in verse 2 or even in verse 7, if it talks about his household, if it talks about being well thought of of outsiders, so it talks about being above reproach, that this thing that we could think of as outside of himself, namely his divorce, could come against him. It's such an, yeah. Let me, let me take this a different direction. What would you guys do? So like, okay, all of a sudden, magically now, Phil, Vince, and me are elders of a church, you know, in this magical hypothetical scenario. And a guy comes to you, you have a guy in your church who's been really faithful, who's been serving well, but he's, he's had a divorce, let's say within the last year. How do you handle that? Do you handle it any differently than anybody else you're thinking about for eldership or do you handle it the same? And if you handle it different, what do you do? I would say, you said if it's in the last year, I probably would, would chill on that. Um, life's a marathon. <laughs> and if not that you can't do spiritual good in that state, but I mean, a year into a divorce, dude is hurting, probably. Yeah. I would want to encourage him in all the ways, but to set him up to be an elder a year after a divorce, I, I don't imagine in any way like he's he's a hundred percent and not that you need to be a hundred percent whatever, like we're all fallen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I don't think you're in any way setting a man up for success that soon. Vince, how do you interact with that? I agree, actually, uh, with Phil. I think a year's probably a little too soon. And if I know that that's an aspiration that he wants, you know, um, I wouldn't go so far or I, I wouldn't be shy to ask 
if things are irreconcilable to see if things possibly could be worked out and if not it can't but i would definitely um try to just counsel him through that uh as best as i could hmm. and then i would continue like kind of what philip said i'd continue to encourage him uh i wouldn't want him to stifle any of his gifts or anything like that and maybe at a lesser level um we could work with what god has given him to to still be in the church and be active in the church there's so many ways to serve you don't have to be yeah. an elder to like be a spiritual good in a uh, a local assembly mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i think i'd go that route i the thing is i don't know if i'm hard set to say that over time i would never entertain him to be an elder and I, I'm I'm on the same page to be clear. I don't know if I would conclude on that yet. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's that's true as well. Like it, when I look at this, and I think Philip, you brought up earlier the example of Paul. <laughs> yeah, man is not above reproach. You know what I mean? Like there were there were people who'd be like, Paul killed my dad. Yeah, Paul killed my husband or because sent this person to prison. Yeah, because was he involved in the yeah. He yeah. stole years away from our family. He's he stole our dad away. Yeah. Because and, uh, and he followed I don't know Christ. Jewish history. Um, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Paul had children. I don't know. I mean, uh, he There's obviously speculation. Like, yeah, speculation in that there was also speculation if he was married as well. But I, I don't know if he had those things. And yet he was definitely a faithful overseer of a lot of different oh churches. i see what you're saying yeah like these qualifications were set and i believe they were set you know because the lord gave him these but i i don't know if he fulfilled them or at least all of them and so yeah. it, it does ask this question like how how close to the standard do we come to knowing that we are imperfect individuals yeah i think it's also interesting what standards we emphasize in this list yeah you know very because true. I think a lot of times we talk about this above reproach, which almost gets turned into this blanket statement to disqualify anyone that we that we don't, don't like, like yeah. in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And but there's other things on here like sober minded, self controlled, hospitable. So like, how do you treat outsiders? How do you treat strangers? How do you treat people who aren't of the fold? Like, how do you yeah. treat people you've never met before? Not violent. Not but violent, but gentle. And not quarrelsome. Yeah. And not a lover of money. <laughs> yeah. Buying lots of books to get my books on the New York Times bestseller list. Not a lover of money. Mm. Mm. Coming in hot on a couple elders because they wanted to think a little bit deeper about my bylaws. Having not conferences. Not violent, but gentle. <laughs> Having like, conferences yeah. that trash whole other denominations of brothers and sisters. Yeah, not quarrelsome. <laughs> That's pretty not, quarrelsome. Yeah, sober-minded, self-controlled, <laughs> hospitable. We can finish this train of thought. I also want to just point out, like, Timothy here was in Ephesus. You look at the letters to, like, the churches and especially think of, like, Corinth. Yeah. Mm. Churches were being established with the people that were there. Yeah. So like God's word is God's word. It is true. It is trustworthy. It means what it says. Also, it was written to people so that we could understand it. So like mm -hmm. 
people are people. <laughs> sure. Like we are called to be holy as God is holy, but we're also people like Paul established elders in Corinth. Yeah. So those men weren't like perfect men. Or more to your point too, in Acts 14, you have Paul's missionary journey, right? And he goes on this ark. Sure. And he basically preaches the gospel to all these people. And then at the end of that chapter, it says that he returned along the same ark. And so there was a city at the top that he had just left. And it had to have been not very long between then and when he returned. And the verses says he appointed elders in all the cities on the way back down. So like, yeah, he literally brought the gospel fresh to some of these areas. And they got obviously saved they got saved. And yeah, and within a few, possibly within a few months, he's appointing elders in those cities. And so it is interesting to think about that in, in terms of verse six, not must not be a recent convert. Though I may, what I would imagine that he did was he worked with because there was like synagogues and a lot of these places and like communities there was faith communities there they just weren't christian faith communities but that's where he would go a lot of those times Mm -hmm. and then he would get rejected but there there must have been men of respect who were older who were mature who had some of that leadership and maturity and when they stepped in their faith that he must have picked for that like that's that's the only thing i can think of you know Because I just think that that part about like thinking about who this was written to and like immediately, like how would they take it? Because I mean, that's something that we talk about in hermeneutics. Like, yeah, we can't only look at this through a, a corporatized 21st century Western model only. Yeah. Certainly shouldn't think about it that way primarily. Yeah. It's written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Yeah. I think that's that's such a good good point all the time about how written for us, not directly to us. So, so how do we need to think about how it would be received? How do we translate it? But I think one thing that jumps off the page to me is verse six, like he must not be a recent comfort or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And like how many stories have we seen in the last couple of years? Dudes became puffed up with conceit I mean, rise and fall of Mars Hill. That's that's real clear. Yeah, super. Was James McDonald the Harvest Harvest Church guy, right? Like same deal. Mm. Was he a early convert pastor guy? I didn't I don't, know that part. I don't of his know origin. about that, but I think he definitely fits the bill of puffed up with conceit and falling. <laughs> well, no, for sure on that part. I just wasn't sure about the the first part there. But you know, like you see these things happen where it's like people are trying to build their kingdom. And you just wonder, like, what? Three, six is about spiritual maturity. Yeah. But that's what I think. Like, sometimes these guys get in ministry real early. You know what I mean? Like, you get somebody that scares me. Yeah. About ministry. Yeah. I'm still a relatively young guy. Like, Trevor, do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I just. Do you, Folks do you were like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. about. I tell you. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Me and a buddy, we were definitely still in high school or we had just graduated they're like hey let's have you guys you guys speak good let's have you lead this like youth ministry and come on staff and we'll pay you this i think we were in high school or we were getting ready to graduate high school so 17 years old yeah and the pitch was we will hire me and a friend of mine both of us 17 18 years old 
Mm-hmm. Be our junior high pastors. These kids are a mess. He says they're sleeping with each other. They're doing drugs. They're just a mess. Like, can you guys help us out? You got a salary. You got a parsonage. And I'm like, I'm 17, guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you want me to lead your youth? I also remember, like, this wasn't somebody who, like, deeply knew y'all's character either. Like, it wasn't no. somebody who, like, no, no, was no. super involved in your life and was like, no, he I really see what the spirit is doing. impressed with a conversation he had with us. Right on, yeah. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but, like, he had a conversation oh. with us. And he goes, oh, like, these guys are deep thinkers. They they love the Word. They love the Lord. And they they are ministry-minded, and they they— they think about future ministry. So like, let's give you an opportunity now with these yeah. kids that are like four years younger than you and a train wreck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it was serious. He yeah. said, like, if I would have said yes, he goes, okay, give me your bank info. Here's the keys. Like that's, right. <laughs> Jeez. it was crazy. Dang. It was crazy. And I knew I was like, I'm not mature enough for this. And you yeah. sir, are like in a real, if you're offering this, to, I thought I was very mature, and maybe in in some ways I was, but like I was a a child. I was a very, very, very young man. <laughs> like I had responsibilities. And like by that point, father had passed away, so yeah. like I was kind of like I was doing some some grown guy stuff around the home and all that. But like, yeah, I was a a no. barely grown child. No, for real. And and that's the thing, like these ministries get so success minded. And I think it's you know, we talk about power and and power versus weakness and stuff here all the time. And I but it's I, I hope people understand like it doesn't it's not that we think that people are like like Doctor Doom or something, like whoa, ha, 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 I will oh. build my church <laughs> empire. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're like twisty mustaching, you know, in the elders' room, like at meetings and stuff. Like that's not it at all. They have their vision board. Exploit five thousand yeah. people. Exploit yeah. ten thousand people. Yeah. Just get all the spiritual exploitation for our ministry machine. Like, no, nobody's thinking that. Like they, they just. They're thinking that they're going to do a good job for Jesus and like they're going to do the best. Vince, you're shaking your head. You think there's some evil people? I'm sure yeah, there's some. I think there's some. I'm sure I think some. the vision board exists, man. <laughs> I've seen some people where I, I think it does exist and somebody's writing on there like, I, this is how much money I will get if I make these claims and get these numbers in the church building and then run offering I won't twice. I dispute that. I won't dispute that at all, Vince. I think I that that I, exists. I, I, My point is that that's not the only way that, and that's that not the primary. harm gets formed. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, I it, get it also gets formed by well-intentioned people who just like, like even ourselves, like we want to have a great podcast. We want to do great stuff here. Like, but if we're not careful, you know, if we're not thoughtful, if we are always trying to take the road of power and not trusting in the Lord and trying to force it in our own strength, then you get a human product instead of a spiritual product. You know, you get a product of the flesh instead of a product of the spirit. Got that way of the dragon. Yeah. And so I hope people hear that too when we're, when we're thinking through these things. But I think the deal is, is that like a lot of fundamentalism wants to get out of it by studying the Bible real good to come up with rules, like the rule of, you know what, we'll just say somebody's been divorced. Pfft, no, like that's a hard, hard rule. Can't be an elder. They can serve the church elsewhere. And like, we feel like these rules are going to keep us safe 
from this sin, really, in this in this evil that's within us. But the problem is that's that's not how how it works ever. No. Yeah, and it, it it makes a huge assumption that those who are elders, like it says it without saying it, that they are pretty perfect. Mm. Because if they're saying that's well, insightful, we, we're holding these standards for pastors, and we have pastors, so that means we have we have people who fulfill every single one of those things, including being above reproach. And what a standard that is to to hold, and what a proclamation that is to make. Very much to to other people. That's that's heavy. That's really heavy. And and I I think it's I think it's not true. Wow. If if you're still a a human, I don't think that that's that feels like a lie. No, I'm. That's a really good point, Vince. Uh, really Trip, we've insight. talked about that before. That fundamentalist knee jerk to um, circle the wagons and to protect the power centralized in their group. In a way, they do that to say, hey. We are are vigorously defending God's standard, and God's standard is so high. Mm, Our standard is so high. These are the guys who meet that standard. Therefore, a lot of times understated and sometimes stated out loud is don't question these guys because they make the standard. Phil, me and you, you you came into seminary a year after I came into seminary. We were both pursuing this at the same time. We we went through high school pursuing this. True. How much of our lives as young guys did we spend with this idea of elder being this standard of man that we saw up in this up above us that we wanted to discipline our lives into and like Christianify and studyify and <laughs> you know holyify sanctify ourselves into this to be good enough to be qualified to do this. And like, sometimes you would doubt like, man, maybe I'll never get it. And maybe the Lord can use it, you know, use me anyway. But like, that's the goal. Like the goal is to, through a lot of effort and sanctification and like doing the right things and reading my Bible good and leading well and getting involved in church stuff. Well, I will get to the point. I will mature enough that I will be that standard. Yeah, probably from about 2006 till about two years ago. <laughs> so say. let me let me ask a question. Like that—that that was it. That like was it. The, that was exactly it. That's really the race that you feel like you're on as yeah. as a young guy who's thinking yeah. about ministry. And and I, you know, is that what God intended? Super unhealthy. Super duper duper unhealthy. What do you say to the person? Who says, well, if it's in the Bible and, and we believe that the Bible is the, you know, the inspired word of God. So God is not going to tell us to do something that we can't do. So if this is the standard that God has given in his sovereignty and providence through his word, then it's a standard that we can have and that is supposed to be fulfilled because why would God tell us through his word that this is the standard if nobody could accomplish it? Yeah, I don't think it's about this isn't the standard or like it's it's impossible, blah, 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 like all this kind of stuff, like necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's possible to not be a drunkard. It's possible to not be violent. It's possible to be gentle. It's possible to not be quarrelsome. It is. And I don't think it's something that's just for some people and not others. But like, I think what I'm pointing out is like the the problem of thinking of this as like the class of like super Christian and the class of like this is for like the real 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 mature folks like this is for like 
the the real special folks. And I think some of it comes from this hyper focus on that first thing above reproach and then letting that be like this purity standard. Cause it sounds good. Like it it resonates. I feel mm-hmm. like even understanding the shortcomings of that model, like that resonates with us as it should, because it's in the Bible. And like yeah. we are called to be holy as God is holy. The call and the upward like striving to be holy should resonate with us. It's just you would want to challenge the um the interpretive lens that you're like, are you looking at it the way it was intended? Or are you looking at it through the way that like your little sect has created and taught itself from itself? And then now everybody just sees that as the baseline. Cause I yeah. mean, we've talked about this before too. People are saved. People have the Holy spirit. People have the Bible and they go, well, if I have the Bible and the Holy spirit, who can question me? Cause the Holy spirit helps me understand the Bible. So if I'm reading the Bible and I have the spirit, I'm right. And like, that's, then like no believers mm. would ever disagree ever if you're just going to pull the card of like, well, the Bible says it and the Bible's God's word. I have done the interpretation. Don't question me on that, that part because I've done the interpretation and I have the spirit. Then like, we just can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. There's no conversation. I think there's another angle here too of just like, once again, how well-rounded is the approach on this? Because hospitable gentle sure like how much gentleness training do you think gets poured into prospective elders how much hos- hospitality training gets poured into you well, know perspective on a previous elders. topic toss up some churches that lift these passages up think very little of the gentleness and loneliness mm-hmm. of, of the ministry of christ yeah exactly some people even dispute that right some people like, mock it yeah and then I think, so So my concern is like that we create this standard that almost produces conceit if you were to get it, you know? And it's mm. like, yeah, it was all by God's grace that I got here, but still like I got here, you know? Like, yep. I don't want to be too explicit, but I mean, Trevor and Vince, we may have had these conversations with you. It's a, It's an open secret that there are certain seminaries and certain um, ministries that produce primarily men who go out in other churches to lead them that just end up brutalizing churches and just end up harming people. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually guys who think they've got it all figured out and they know their theological plan that they're going to come in and run in a church. And so they get in there and they don't see what's going on from what God's already doing there. Not trained in gentleness or empathy or like... Yeah, don't recognize the work. Don't, you know, and then it's just like, okay, this is what it's going to be. The the stereotypical thing is like starting in Romans on like day one. You know, it's like, all right, day one, Romans chapter, like we're going to start our preaching series on Romans. Romans. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to spend like 10 years in Romans. There's just so, so many tropes and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And those tropes exist for a reason, you know? And I think it's funny. We laugh at it. haha. Like, you know, be, be wiser than that. Be smarter than that. But I think it's once again, funny. it was like, did we ever really inspect what we, what all of that was saying about power and how we thought about power, how power was being used over people, yep. like the way we thought about people, the way we cared for people. 
and I'm sure there's a brand of folks who listen to to our podcast with skepticism. And if this is you, I'm speaking to you, you know, maybe you think, yeah, all you guys are talking about excesses, but you're trying to say that that's like everything. And maybe it sounds like that. You, you hear that, you hear those things, but you think that you can do it better. And I don't know, we thought that too. Yeah. We thought, oh yeah, we see these problems, but like, we'll be smart enough. We'll, we'll be holy enough to, we'll to avoid all this at, stuff. at Bible study. Yeah, we'll, we'll study it enough. We'll, we'll map out a better plan. You know, there'll be more power. But what about patience? How is that being cultivated? If you think that you can go into a space where, where you're going to be so much different and people are going to do things different than you, how much right now are you surrounded with people who think different, do different, practice ministry different, and you're patient with them? You're in concert with them. You lock arms with people who would do ministry different than you. Like, mm-hmm. Or do we otherize people who are down the street preaching verse by verse? because they have a different thought on social justice, you know? Yeah, there you go. We think we're going to be doing so good at this in this hypothetical scenario, but like if we're not doing it right now, then, and my question is, how are you doing it right now? Yeah, yeah. That's hey, a great you place the to... hour, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. You made it to the end of the episode. Shout outs. Let's get to it. So also from the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, this week they played this song at the end, Citizens, by the John Guerra. All right. Has this album from 2020 called Keeper of Days. And the second song on it is Citizens. And it's got to be one of the most fire Christian songs that I've heard in a long time. The lyricism's on point. The music's on point, but the lyricism, though. Mm, that's where it's at. Y'all, I, I almost just want it, like, we almost could just read the lyrics of this song. I won't do all of them in this point, but, like, you could almost... Thank you for not reading an entire song on the podcast. You could almost <laughs> just read this thing. The last, I'll, I'll just tell you the last verse. He says, living in enemy hallways, don't know my foes from my friends, and I don't know my friends anymore. Power has several prizes. Handcuffs can come in all sizes. Love has a million disguises, but winning is simply not one. Mm. And it's just so good. That's just so good. How, like, he goes from power to handcuffs to love, which is, like, a really good turn. And then winning. Winning's just not one of the faces that love takes. Shoot. And mm. his whole, the whole song is like that. You're building a city where we arrive as immigrants and you call us citizens and you welcome us as children home. That's powerful. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. John Guerra. Um, I'm going to check that out. Keeper, keeper of Days. Throw it on your playlist. That was pretty good. Vince, what you got for us? Uh, so my shout out this week is, uh, a Wondry podcast, Ooh. um, called Dr. Death. Um, yeah. It's actually pretty popular. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not new. I'm, I'm probably the, the one old getting to it, but it is, I, I listened to, uh, season one and season three. Um, cause season two was on like 
Amazon music or something, and I wasn't going to get that. Weird. But, I mean, man, when I talk about captivating the 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 host, I think she has done or continues to do, um, like, medical research articles. So she's very knowledgeable of a lot of what's going on in the medical world, but she makes the information quite accessible so that a, a normal person like me can still understand what's going on. Um, and again, it's one of those, you know, it's not very theological at all, but it definitely bleeds into how power works, power. especially in Season the structure and system. Crazy. Yeah, it was insane. Season three is even crazier. Um, so, uh, and they made a TV show about it. I think it's on Peacock or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, long story short, if you guys have the time, whether you watch the show or not, season one, season three, and I'm sure season two is great. Um, but they have a ton. They have a whole network of like true crime and investigative stuff. So um, I'm sure you can find something that's your speed. But um, my, my shout out is Dr. Death. Blows your mind that that crap is real. I'm going to be real yeah. with you right now. I will probably not be listening to that because if I did... I don't know that I would show up at a medical facility ever again in my life. Dude, yeah. it's in, like yeah. we implicitly trust doctors <laughs> and this like actually like insane bozo got away with so much crap and people are like, well, he's a doctor, you know. Oh, and, man. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, I think he had like 39 patients. And uh, two uh, of them died uh, and all the rest <laughs> got injured. <laughs> Like, nobody came out like, oh, okay, this is pretty great. Every single Killing one of people them got messed up. Like crazy. Anyway, um, so I haven't finished it. It's short. Haven't finished it. Former guest on the show, uh, David from uh, the Kaiju Apostle podcast formerly, who came on our Godzilla episode. He mm -hmm. has always been encouraging me to read um, the uh, Patristics series. So I picked up... On Social Justice from St. Basil, and I've been reading it, and it, it's short. It's pretty nice, and basically the uh, the main thesis, like, it's not about how, like, how much means you have, but his main thesis is, like, simplifying your life so that you are able to bless others, and it's it's really good. It's encouraging. Reading Old Dead Guys is something I used to do a whole lot. And I haven't done it in a while. So on social justice from St. Basil, it's unfortunate how expensive they are for being so short. I think they're all like 16 bucks, but um, it's good. And I'll probably pick up some of the others in that series in the future as well. Nice, man. Our website is up and it is live. It is beautiful. Yes, it, is it is awesome. And you guys need to go check it out. Uh, go to our website, thesubstancepod.com. There you will be able to engage with us. Um, on each of our episodes on the website, we have a comment section. Comment under the episode that you had, if you had a thought, if you had um, just feedback for us, that would be a great place to engage with us. You can also comment on our socials. Super easy way to get there is in the upper right corner of the homepage. We have all of our social links up there. So pick your favorite of choice follow us on there create a post tag us in it or comment under one of our posts also follow us for great giveaways and just engage with us on the substancepod.com 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 and on this one let us know if you're still listening to this at this point Please on this episode listen. give us your thoughts on the uh, elder uh, the overseer requirements but also let us know 
Um, if you're on the website, you see the new the logo redesign with uh, the mic and then also the substance, the nice sleek way it looks on the website. Let us know what type of merch you'd like to see in our first round because we're talking about that. And we're not just making it for ourselves. If you're still listening and you're a fan of the show, let us know what kind of merch you're interested in in the comment there. Leave a comment on this uh, episode post. Yeah, hit us, hit us up in those comments. We're so thankful for our listeners. You guys made this whole thing happen um, with the website and everything. The substancepod.com exists. Substancepod.com. Because of y'all, it exists for y'all. So enjoy it. And maybe you're hearing this and you're loving the biblical, thoughtful, human conversations and you want to partner with that. You want more engaging the culture, more biblical, more thoughtful, more human conversations, less, less culture war, less culture war, my yes, man, that's sir. right. And so <laughs> we've got, listen, we got an opportunity. You can jump in on the 21 and 21 campaign. Still, we're looking for um, just a few more folks to, to get involved and uh, partner with us. Five bucks. You, guys, we put out some months, we put out five episodes, you know, We've got Instagram live stuff, other things going on. It's like a buck an episode put up on there about five bucks a month. You can join in the 21 and 21 campaign and it helps us do this stuff like merch. $10 a month though. We sure more than more than welcome to do that as well. Some folks have been very generous. We're very thankful. Everybody at any level, it's, it's certainly generosity. We love it. Um, but yeah, it helps us do these awesome things. And, um, you know, just just get back and do more in the future. We're just going to continue to to try to do this and and use these in ways that are in alignment with the values that you hear here on the show. And so, um, yeah, if if that's something that excites you, if that's something that you believe in, go ahead and join us. The links are on our website, thesubstancepod.com. You can also hit there's uh our on our anchor site as well. They're also in the show notes if you're hearing this on your podcast feed. Trev, what if somebody's not interested in monthly support but still wants to help out? Man, if there's just like a one-time thing, you're like, you know what? This is this is what I can do right now. We got. I've been these- listening to these guys for 75 episodes, and I want to give them 75 bucks. How would they do that? <laughs> I just want to give them 75 <laughs> buckaroos, one for every episode I enjoyed. What you would do is you could just pop open that Cash App, and if you don't have it, you could download it from a link that we'll have on our website somewhere probably. Probably should get it up there. Um, we'll we download it from a link that we'll have on our website and um, dollar sign substance pod. Uh, you just type that in and then you can send cash to it. It's called a cash tag. It's pretty, pretty dope. And you send us money. Um, well, like we you. said before, we, we want to start using the website, which again, the substance pod.com as a, like a primary uh, hub of building the substance community. But if your your thoughts aren't really um, able to be limited into a quick comment on the website. You can send us an email uh, to the substance pod at gmail.com or, and it's always nice when people do this. We haven't had one in a while. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Um, if we like your voicemail, if it's concise, um, might even end up on a future episode. And the number for that is 913-703-3883. Would love to hear your words in your voice, uh, in your own words. And I also forgot to say, um, if you're going to leave a voicemail or an email, let us know uh, where you're listening from. Well, once again, we appreciate y'all joining us and jumping on the substancepod.com to share your thoughts, your experiences, and your comments. So this is Trev. Philip. Philip. 
and Vincent. <laughs> we are looking forward to having you back for another biblical, thoughtful, and human conversation next time on the substancepod.com. Adios, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>